Our gospel reading comes from the book of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overtake it. There was a man sent from John, who's, from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Merry Christmas, everyone. So glad to see you. Thank you for gathering in worship this morning. So there Clark was, sitting in an unheated attic on a cold Chicago day, just a few days before Christmas, wrapped up in whatever he could find to stay warm, a woman's mink stole, pink gloves, and a ridiculous-looking hat. The circumstances of him being trapped in the attic in the first place were comically unlikely, but in his attempt to find warm clothes, he stumbled upon some old reel-to-reel -reel film canisters and a movie projector. And now as he waited to be rescued from his predicament, with tears streaming down his cheeks, he sat watching old family movies showing what he considered to be perfect moments of past family holidays. Christmas the way it was supposed to be. Now if you've ever watched the movie National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, you know that Clark Griswold's fatal mistake was trying to create a perfect Christmas for his family, like Christmas used to be, or at least what he thought it was supposed to be. We all know what that feels like, right? Trying to recreate a perfect holiday feeling. Just last Saturday, Robin and I found ourselves trying to recreate a moment from just the weekend before. We had been playing a Christmas jazz playlist on the speaker system in our house. You know, hey Alexa, play Christmas jazz on all the speakers. We were doing some cooking and decorating on Sunday af Saturday afternoon, and the music was just the perfect backdrop, the perfect soundtrack to everything that we were doing that day, bringing energy and a certain level of festivity to the occasion. But the very next Saturday morning, when we tried to recreate that same holiday moment from the week before, it wasn't quite working. To me, it felt like the jazz station was a little too aggressive for our Christmas, 
kitchen task that Saturday morning. So I kept trying different Christmas playlists. Classical holiday, no, that's not it. I'll try another, no, that's not quite right. And so on, until the only one channel left was Country Christmas. <laughs> now there's one good thing you can say about Country Christmas, at least you can understand the words. Storytelling is a key component in country music, so it's important to be able to follow the message. But on this particular morning, the first five songs we heard played were songs that neither of us had ever heard before. And this is no exaggeration. The songs were so depressing. <laughs> I was just about to turn it off when some more familiar holiday songs came on and the situation began to improve. During this season of Advent, we've been talking about holy things, holy time, holy space, holy people, holy knowing, holy being. And now on this Christmas morning, we find ourselves going in a new direction, the surprisingly holy. My brother surprised me recently. He surprised me with two photos of my nephew. Now, you may be saying that doesn't sound like much of a surprise. But the surprise is, I didn't know I had a nephew. <laughs> At the age of 51, my brother and his wife are expecting their first child. And I found out through a text that they sent me with that photo from their ultrasound a few weeks ago. And as I looked at this evidence of a child on the way, in addition to being so happy for them, so much was running through my mind. So many scenarios about the impact that this child would have on their lives. Not to mention that my parents' only two grandchildren will now be born 27 and a half years apart from each other. <laughs> but I just kept trying to press down to squelch all those thoughts running around in my head in order to not ruin the moment. And as I redirected those thoughts away from what could be back to just what is, somehow it all felt so holy, so right. The surprisingly holy is breaking in upon their lives. The surprise that the incarnation of the holy arrived in the first century in the form of a baby is undeniable. This invites us to believe that just when you least expect it, the holy will surprise you too. Perhaps not as dramatic as my brother's announcement, but even the simple presence of kindness from a stranger, or a gift at an unexpected time, or a sunset reflecting amazing colors can invite us to feel like there is more than meets our limited vision of what's there, of what's even possible. Christmas Day always feels holy to me. It's a set-apart day. Everything in the, in the holiday planning is over and done. It's too late to do anything about those things that are undone. And it's usually quiet. But I think Christmas feels even more holy when it falls on a Sunday like today. If you live the average lifespan of someone who lives in the U.S., you'll see about 10 Sunday Christmases in your lifetime. So what makes this day special? 
more holy than the others. What surprises are in store for us as we worship together today? The gospel reading for Christmas Day from John 1 is one of the surprises, but more for what's not there. There are no shepherds. There are no angels. There are no magi. There's no star. There's no Mary, no Joseph. There's no manger, no swaddling clothes. There's no baby Jesus. All those things that we're used to seeing on Christmas, none of them are here. We've been hearing all about them from Matthew and from Luke, but John leaves them all out. John's Christmas story is surprisingly different. He speaks of a light in the darkness and the opportunity for each of us to be born of God, to be holy. And yet, this is the perfect text for Christmas morning, all because of verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That is surprising. The Word became flesh, wrote John, and dwelt among us full of grace and truth. Bigner says that is what incarnation means. It is untheological, it is unsophisticated, it is undignified, but according to Christianity, it's the way things are. God is here is the message of Christmas. Jesus, God's one and only Son, became a man. He was God in a suit of flesh. He was, he was the visible expression of the invisible deity. God was now expressing himself in a language that we could understand. God was identifying with the frailties and the tragedies of the human race. God was getting up close and personal. God was announcing to the world, I'm here. God became a man. The omnipotent in one instant made himself breakable. He who had been spirit became pierceable. He who was larger than the universe became an embryo. And he who sustains the world with a word chose to be dependent upon the nourishment of a young girl. The Apostle John used one word to embody this revelation of God, dwelt. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word became flesh and dwelt meant to live in a tent. In the Old Testament, the word dwelt literally denotes residence. So when Jesus became flesh and blood, he took up residence among us. Before Jesus was born, God visited his people performing mighty and miraculous works. As you may remember from this year's Laity Sunday, God's people would stack stones or build a monument or erect a building in honor of God's revelation. The physicality in building was their way of saying, God was here. The power and presence of God had visited them in a place. And so in order not to forget, they constructed a reminder. But when Jesus entered the world, the verb tense changed from past to present, from was to is. Because of Jesus' birth, because of the incarnation of God, because the word became flesh, we now say God is here. God is present in all his splendor and glory. We don't have to erect structures to remind us of God's visited presence. 
for God is already here. But God is, our, God is here is more than a theological doctrine. It has practical implications. What does God is here mean to us? Jesus became a man to show us God. When Jesus became a man, he showed us that God was not merely an idea, but a person. Jesus was not an idea of God, not a picture of God, but God himself in human form. Where in the world is God? God is here in Christ. God has come among us to show us who God is and what God is. Christmas says that Jesus shows us God in a way that we can understand, in a way that renews us, in a way that gives us hope. In other words, God has become relatable. We underestimate this concept and the impact that it has on us as followers of Christ. Think about it. People loved being around Jesus. They came at night. They touched him as he walked down the street. They followed him around the sea. They invited him into their homes and placed their children at his feet. Why? Because he refused to be a statue in a cathedral or a priest in an elevated pulpit. He chose instead to be Jesus, deity dressed in humanity, God here among us. As you read the Gospels, there is not a hint of one person who was afraid to draw near to Jesus. There was not one person who was reluctant to approach him for fear of being rejected. Remember that. Remember that the next time you find yourself amazed at your own failures, or the next time guilt burns holes in your stomach, or the next time you're tempted to draw a line between who is holy and who is not, who is welcome in God's kingdom, and who is not. Remember that it is us who creates the distance. It is Jesus who builds the bridge. I suspect that this Christmas most of you have or will receive many gifts. Some you probably don't need. Most you could live without. But there's one present you can't live without. The one present you need is the presence of Jesus Christ, the one who shows us God, the one who feels our hurt, the one who is touchable, approachable, and reachable, the God that is here, surprisingly here. If we read the scriptures and we just hear what God did for those people back then as if it was a perfect moment and we can't bring it forward to ourselves, we may be surprised to find out that the steps from God with them to God with us may not be as great as it seems. Are we incapable of creating holy moments? Are we limited to just being able to recognize a holy moment when we see it? To be surprised by it, but helpless to become a part of it? No, the message of surprisingly holy on this Christmas morning is that the holy was all around us already and we just forgot or failed to look. Or we were so wrapped up in creating the perfect moment that we failed to step back and see what was already there. I'll let you in on a little secret. If something is holy, it means it's been dedicated to God. 
Your Christmas lunch today can be holy if you just pause long enough to dedicate it to God. The phone calls you make this afternoon to family can be holy, should be holy, if we just see that time as set apart. All of our successes, our failures, our mundane tasks, our conversations today can all be holy. But hear this. There's an important caveat. Holy and perfect are not the same. Jesus may have been perfect and he may be holy, but he isn't holy because he was perfect. He was holy because he was set apart. He was holy because he had dedicated every part of his life to God. This worship series we've been a part of hasn't been about being perfect, about getting everything right. It's been about seeing with new eyes what it means to be holy and trying to, at the very least, reflect some of God's holiness off ourselves and out into the world around us. For you see, something can be messy and still be holy. Something can be left in the oven a little too long and extra crispy around the edges and still be holy. It can be loud and boisterous and late for Christmas dinner and it can still be holy. It can even be a cold sanctuary where the only apparent sources of heat are three candles <laughs> and the sunlight streaming in through the stained glass windows and be holy. One of those country songs that came on the speakers at our house last Saturday was Darius Rucker singing, What God Wants for Christmas. He sings, I'm sitting at this red light looking at a manger scene, watching snowflakes fall on the baby. And it makes me think, I wonder what God wants for Christmas. That last line surprised me. I wonder what God wants for Christmas. It's a great question. It's the right question. And in the song, Darius tries to answer that question with several maybes. Maybe God wants this, maybe God wants that. But ultimately, he just ends the song with what I considered a punch to the gut. By now, he sings, we ought to know what God wants for Christmas. We ought to know what God wants for Christmas, but do we? Are we sure? Does God want us to get everything right, to be perfect? Or does God just want us to look around and listen and touch and taste what God has already set into motion in each of us through the birth of his son, Jesus? I think I found the answer to the question of what God wants for Christmas in a poem by Howard Thurman. When the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flocks, the work of Christmas begins. To find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among the people, to make music in the heart. 
That is Christmas. Amen.